good, CT. As we know, the road to success is littered with stories of shattered dreams and unrealized potential. The rappers covered on this list represent the biggest what-ifs in hip-hop, untold stories of what could have been, should have been, careers cut tragically short before reaching their creative primes, or abandoned due to unforeseen circumstances. So as we cover some of their stories and consider the what-ifs, we will factor in talent, influence, output, and potential impact on an artistic and commercial level to make our rankings. I'm QB for Culture's Theory. Remember to like, subscribe, share, and super thanks to keep the lights on. With that out of the way, let's get started. Number 12, Kid Hood. Likely the least known name on this list, Kid Hood has one song credit to his name and died only two days after recording his debut verse. But what he did turn in is a stellar one-off, which according to Q-Tip, he did in one take. He opens the boastful scenario remix in sheer super thug fashion, feeling convincingly clever threats to other MCs and bonds of his superior rapping abilities. His aggressive in-your-face approach matches the rumbling bass line to a T, imbuing the remix with a darker tone than a playful off-the-top free flow antics of the original. Decades after its release, the song remains a seminal posse cut, and for a first-timer, his performance holds up remarkably well. Kid Hood is perhaps the saddest example of a what-if, due to the brevity of his career barely qualifying for this list at all. Are there any other one-verse wonders who make you stop and think, what if? Number 11, G-Dub. Salute to the deputy, one of Harlem's most overlooked rhyme slingers. G-Dub, short for Ghetto Department, made waves in New York with the underground singles Head Over Wheels and Blow More Spots on Tate Kings in 1997 and 98, respectively. He was quickly tracked down, offered a record deal by Puff, and positioned alongside Black Rob and Sean to restore Bad Boy's relevancy in the rap game. G-Dub racked up features on Rob's debut, Life Story, as well as P. Diddy and the Families, the saga continues, dropping noteworthy verses on the title track, That's Crazy and Blast Off. G-Dub was nice on the mic, blessed with a distinct voice, multifaceted flows, and a knack for creating haunting yet heartfelt songs describing the plights of poor people trying to survive in the inner city. He represented the new crop of bad boy rappers with hardcore aesthetics that recruited in the wake of Mace's religious awakening and subsequent departure, and Biggie's still unsolved murder. He was touted as the next breakthrough bad boy artist after dropping his debut project, Child of the Ghetto in 2001, that flew tragically under the radar. But despite a strong radio single and special delivery that resurrected the Harlem Shake and the summer smash Let's Get It, the album failed to match the sales expectations accumulated by previous projects on the story label. Dev went inactive afterwards and was dropped by the label. He resurfaced nine years later with the sophomore effort Ghetto Legend. Success did not sit well with G-Dub though. He was consumed with guilt over his achievements. He battled a lengthy PCP addiction that hindered his artistic growth, musical output, and visibility throughout the 2000s. On December 15th, 2010, Dev shocked the hip-hop community when he turned himself into authorities and confessed to a 17-year-old cold case crime, the murder of a man in 1993. While this atonement may have enabled G-Dub to cleanse his soul and hopefully find redemption, it also put a pin in his rap career for good. Number 10, Pop Smoke. While putting the finishing touches on his Republic Records debut, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon, the Canarsie native, known for his gruff, smoky baritone, gritty rhymes, and head-nodding hooks, was gunned down in the Los Angeles home invasion on February 19, 2020. His rapid rise to superstar status seemed inevitable. Bolstered by the hype surrounding his mixtape duology, Meet the Woo 1 and 2, the latter which secured the number 7 spot on the Billboard 200, comparisons to Idol 50 Cent and the heavy radio rotation of singles Dior and Welcome to the Party, expectations were high for Smoke. He helped to popularize Brooklyn Drill and was sparking the reignition of the New York hip-hop scene. What makes Pop Smoke's untimely passing so compelling is that he was seemingly on the cusp of greatness, had a city on his side, and set to bring an entirely new sound and style to the genre. His death is a tragic cautionary tale on the dangers of social media. While it may offer rappers new and improved ways to reach audiences and gain their support, it can also give the haters a way to reach you too. Number 9, Seagram. Houston's Rap A Lot Records is an institution in the South. The pioneering record label helped launch the careers of Southern heavy hitters such as the Ghetto Boys, Do or Die, and Devin the Dude, to name a few. One of the earliest signees to the label, Seagram, was an originator of the introspective Gangster Chronicles and Streetwise musings on the intricate aspects of the hustle game, later perfected by label mates UGK and Big Mike. Seagram was foundational in establishing Rap-A-Lot as a bona fide force in the industry amid the heavy New York bias 
prevalent in the 90s hip-hop culture. He also helped to invent the Izzle slang, later popularized by Snoop, along with Gangsta P on their collaboration Straight Mobbin, off Seagram's first solo record, The Dark Roads. Throughout this debut album, Seagram led listeners on a harrowing journey through the winter slums of South Oakland. His introductory single, The Ville, is the most terrifying hometown anthem ever recorded. A spooky soundscape built on a menacing piano loop and harsh hi-hats that back his unflinching narration and what could be best described as drive-by music. He returned with Reality Check in 1994 and his final album, Souls on Ice, was released posthumously in 1997. He always portrayed his life authentically, describing it without endorsement or glorification and warned listeners not to emulate his life, explaining the consequences in great detail. Sadly, like so many others on this list, Seagram fell victim to an unending cycle of violence that has plagued hip-hop since its inception. He succumbed to gunfire in 96 after escaping an assassin's bullet three years earlier. More than 26 years later, though, the murder remains unsolved. Number eight, Stack Bundles. Riot Squad leader Raekwon Elliott, better known to the world as Stack Bundles or the Gorgeous Gangster, was a prolific rapper out of Far Rockaway, Queens, who built an impressive reputation on the mixtape circuit and as a member of DJ Clue's Desert Storm alongside fellow New York native Fabulous. Who would guess Stack got his start as a background dancer appearing in videos for Busta Rhymes Put your hands where my eyes can see. And 702 is where my girl's at. Magnetic personality, slick wordplay, and signature squad up ad libs. Stack Bundles sparked a bidding war between labels after going on a tour at Mixtape Run. He was primed for the big leagues, signed by Capo, appearing on his hit single Weatherman, touring with Wheezy, and teaming up with DJ Drama for a Gangsta Grills mixtape. While he was in the process of recording his first official album, Rockstar, he was shot and killed in the lobby of the apartment building where he lived, in the same neighborhood he carried on his back and repped on every song. A Smack DVD staple, his legacy lives on in the memories of countless mixtape circuit fans favorites from the 2000s, such as close friend Joe Budden, who touchingly memorializes him on Mood Music 3's Sending Our Love, and in the evolution of former boss Jim Jones' rap style, where do you think he got that ironclad ad-lib game from? If you ain't up on Balcony Bundles, check out his Remember My Name freestyle, bidding war on the Best of Stack Bundles mixtape, and his standout verse on Six Minutes of Death with former mixtape mainstays Jay Mills and Joe Budden. Number seven, Soldier Slim. Hailing from the Magnolia Projects in New Orleans, Soldier Slim made waves with an impossibly thick southern twang, infectious energy, and heartfelt hood narrative depicting the treacherous aspects of everyday life in the third war. Soldier Slim is an epicenter of the Southern Bounce Wave. His early recordings showcased his syrupy flow, catchy hooks, and unflinching honesty on tracks that made him a Southern Underground favorite, earning him statewide notoriety and a spot on No Limit Records. He released two albums, Give It To Him Raw and The Streets Made Me, before a fallout with P led him to release his later music independently. While not the most intricate lyricist, Soldier Slim compensated for his shortcomings with a passionate rapping and incredible persona, using records as an outlet for his frustrations and struggles, rather making music to fit a commercial format. He was also on the verge of breaking out on a national level when his cookout classic with crossover star Juvenile, Slow Motion, came out in November 2003 and instantly became a number one hit, staying atop the charts for two weeks. Unfortunately, like Seagram, Soldier was also a victim to the streets he rapped so vividly about. Killed on his lawn in a targeted hit on November 26, 2003, allegedly due to ties with a deceased drug dealer. Number six, XXX Tentacion. It seems like yesterday since we lost X to an armed robbery turned homicide. In his brief but highly successful career, X garnered plenty of controversy and a massive cult-like following, opening a lane for rappers to explore sensitive topics like anxiety, depression, and isolation. He was very experimental in his approach, using elements of emo, rock, punk, lo-fi, and new metal to create his unique and provocative brand of music. His off-kilter sing-song flow, angst-ridden lyrics, various legal issues, and a flair for the theatrical that tiptoed the line between avant-garde expression and shock exploitation kept fans and critics on the edge of their seats. His demise is disheartening not only because he's the youngest entry on this list at 20 years old, but also because he was on the up and up as a man, moving on from past mistakes, resolving lingering legal issues, and dedicating himself 100% to improving his craft and expanding his musical influence, as evident by his prolific output prior to his passing. His unorthodox and vulnerable style, along with his penchant to produce genre-blurring content, was steadily evolving into something special, and with some more time
time and refinement, X could have grown into a decade defining artist. Number five, Mac Dre. Few rappers in hip hop command the reverence and ardent loyalty from fans that Bay Area icon Mac Dre does. Whether you know him as Ronald Reagan, Mac Thizzle, Pill Clinton, or deep cut alias Mohammed Al Boo Boo, Mac Dre, born Andre Hicks, was an incredibly creative MC who spearheaded the hyphy movement, created his own offshoot known as Thizz Music, and made it a signature sound of the Yay area. A subgenre later brought to national attention when E40 dropped his Ghost Riding anthem, Tell Me When to Go. And before you even say it, we will drop an E40 list. Despite going mostly unnoticed outside of Cali, he put out an onslaught of material in his brief life, building a body of work that would rival Tupac Shakur. Owing to his ceaseless work ethic and considerable talent, he released several classic singles such as Too Hard for the Fucking Radio, It's Raining Game, Get Stupid, and Feeling Myself, and several groundbreaking albums with 1993's Young Black Brother, 99's Rapper Gone Bad, and Ronald Dragon Dragonomics in 04. He employed multiple characters in his songs, switching flows, vocal inflections, and story beats with ease. His outsized personality pervaded through his rhymes, and Drake could make you laugh, cry, and contemplate all in one song. He aspired to be more than a rapper as well, founding Thizz Records in 1998 and providing an outlet for local artists to showcase their skills. He would have unquestionably capitalized on the very movement he helped to start. As hyphy music began to infiltrate radio and social media sites with artists like E40 and Mr. Fab starting to gain public traction in 06, it was only a matter of time before the rest of the world got to see what made him such an invaluable part of the Bay Area. Number four, Big L. Revving the danger zone on 139 in Lenox and Harlem, Big L entered the game with his childhood friends Cameron, Mace, Bloodshed, Six Figure Digger, and Herb McGruff, and formed the group Children of the Corn in 1993. He gained notoriety throughout the early 90s as a ferocious battle rapper and a witty lyricist, and soon was inducted as a core member of the DITC, Digging in the Crates crew, founded by Lord Finesse and Diamond D. Through a slew of scorching mixtape freestyles and the audacious street single Devil's Son, L quickly proved himself as an elite level MC and created a buzz to earn a record deal with Columbia. While the album didn't blow up on the sales charts, it earned excellent reviews, alerted the masses to his ungodly talent, and inspired L to become his own boss. He was an early adopter of the going independent and starting a label wave, which he did with flamboyant records. In a theme all too familiar, he was also killed as a result of his brother's lingering beef. The possibilities for L were limitless. He had the gift of gab and charisma to instantly grab the listener's attention, top tier technical skills to create a classic, remain relevant, and mentioned among the all-time greats. For reference, check out his seven-minute freestyle with a young hove on a legendary stretch and Bobito show, and American Dream with his Children of the Corn group mates. Number three, Big Pun. New York is home to some of the greatest rappers in the history of hip hop, but it also bears the grim reputation of being the deadliest city for anyone in the profession. While the likes of Freaky Ta, Chinks Drugs, Pop Smoke, and Stack Bundles are well known for reinforcing this statistic, Chris Rios, AKA Big Punisher, left us for an entirely different reason when a lengthy weight issue led to a heart attack that ended his life on February 7, 2000. Other to one of the illest rhyme schemes ever put on wax. that in the middle of little, 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 did we know that we riddle to middle, middle, didn't do diddly. Big Pun bodied everything he jumped on from the bar laden posse cut Fantastic Four with Cameron, Nori, and Cannabis off of DJ Clues the Professional to his infamous I'm a period of dreams like Freddie do, no kidding you. Even if I stuttered, I would still sh shit on you. Line from Fat Joe's John Blaze, also featuring the stellar verse from Godson celebrating grade school delinquency. His debut, Capital Punishment, received favorable reviews from critics and hefty sales upon his release, earning Pun comparisons to another noted big man rapper Biggie Smalls and a platinum plaque, a first for any Latino rapper, and solidified his status as one of the most imposing lyricists out of the Bronx. Songs like the introductory Beware with a nasty Havoc sample, super lyrical with Roots frontman Black Thought, and the original version of Still Not a Player perfectly demonstrate his dense, syllable stuff delivery, oddball humor, and immaculate 
immaculate rhyme schemes inspired by the godfather Coogee rap. His imagery-laced storytelling demanded multiple listens. His unusual crossover appeal charmed ladies and brought a largely unrepresented demographic into the spotlight. Number two, Nipsey Hussle. While Pun and L are superior rappers on a technical level, Nipsey Hussle earns the number two spot for his social activism, industry impact, and by virtue of having a larger, more defined body of work. Nipsey was embraced and admired by many in the industry and inspired his fans to work towards their dreams without compromising their vision and ethics. He was hitting his stride as an artist too, expanding his fan base while retaining ownership of his music and creating a new career template for other artists to follow. The hustle and motivate rapper broke out of the West Coast in the late 2000s with mixtape classics like Crenshaw and the Bull and They Got No Name series. His long-awaited major label debut, Victory Lap, sold well upon release with 56,000 units sold in the first week and received universal critical acclaim, earning him a Grammy nomination for the single Racks in the Middle. He wasn't content with merely being a rapper either, appearing in several films and grew into the role of a dedicated community activist, founding the Neighborhood Nip Foundation. He was also a well-known entrepreneur, establishing businesses in his stomping grounds of Crenshaw. He coined the now internationally recognized phrase for playing a long game, the marathon continues. He also influenced other rappers to invest in careers and businesses that directly improve the conditions in their neighborhoods. The entire hip-hop world lost his son, close friend, brother, and a pivotal voice for change when Nip was killed outside his neighborhood store on March 31st, 2019. Number one, The Notorious B.I.G. The log said it best, we'll always love Big Papa. Two albums are all the world got before a media created, then exploited a bi-coastal beef until it turned into a drive-by that snuffed out one of the genre's greatest talents on March 9th, 1997, and left the world in mourning. Big entered the game a ready-made superstar, possessing unquestionable lyrical acumen, effortless swag, and instant commercial appeal to stand among rap's Mount Rushmore. When his debut, Ready to Die, arrived on September 14, 1994, it helped to reinvigorate a fading East Coast hip-hop scene amid Death Row Records' unprecedented radio and record sales dominance. Ready to Die was the perfect introduction to the Notorious B.I.G., backed by an irresistibly catchy hook, courtesy of Entume's Juicy Fruit, his single Juicy, the quintessential rags to riches story, and high praise from the Source magazine with a four and a half mic rating. The album went gold within two months. From a production standpoint, the record is flawless, containing premium head knockers from Clark Kent, DJ Premier, Easy Moby, Lord Finesse, and Bad Boy's in-house beat makers, The Hitman. From the opener, Things Unchained, to the disturbing finale, Suicidal Thoughts, the record took on a cinematic quality, chronicling tales of betrayal, love, crime, suicide, and nostalgia. Big's hunger and versatile flow is evident as he recounts the ups and downs of his life prior to being signed and the mindset changes he experienced through the process of trying to make it. His follow-up, Life After Death, arrived in 97 and is still widely regarded as a template on how to create a classic, commercially viable album. Check out Sky's the Limit, I Got a Story to Tell, and Suicidal Thoughts for a masterclass in narration. He made compelling conceptual tracks such as Give Me the Loot, where he uses different voices to represent two robbers with opposing temperaments, and on Ten Crack Commandments, Frank White bucks conventional song structure to deliver his step-by-step -step guide to moving crack in enlisted format. Biggie also had the range to match up with any collaborator, whether linking with Cleveland's Bone Thugs and Harmony on Notorious Thugs and adopting their patented triple-time flow, trading high-level bars with fellow Brooklynite Jay-Z on Brooklyn's Finest, or slowing his commanding rapid-fire flow to a pimp's draw on the too short assisted The World Is Filled. Undoubtedly, Big was and is one of hip-hop centers of gravity. He released two projects that have his DNA throughout and three that were crafted posthumously. That makes it a five-piece. Let us know in the comments if that's a list you want to see. He was the rare rapper that possessed it all. A booming voice, liquid flow, unmatched presence, intellect and wit in spades, and a knack for detail that transformed his raps about overused subjects into gripping, replay-worthy affairs. The masterpieces he dropped while alive, the incredible influence he wielded in such a short time, and the way he brought everyone together in the spirit of celebration and good music created an instant legacy. His tragic loss, along with the murder of friend-turned-foe Tupac, were two of the most gut-wrenching and publicized deaths in music. Had his life or death relieved the violence from hip-hop culture, is 
the ultimate what if. And that's another one in the books. Let us know who we should have added to this list. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you can get updated when we drop a new list. As for always, thanks for checking us out here at Culture's Theory. I'm QB. I'll see you next time.